0: I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could have me five
1: mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> rugby rugby weekly. In first Goal! Goal! Drive Magic! You're not alive, boys, so you start kicking when the is Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly. Gavin Casey here as always and I'm joined as always. By Murray Kinsella of the 42.e. How are things, Murray? Dear good. Cunnest uh, of Tartu. Joining us as well is Mike Sherry of former Munster fame. Bernard Jackman is warming his vocal cords for the members' show later on this evening, and we're thrilled to have Mike back on. It's been a while since we caught up with you, Mike. I of
2: what. Thanks for the Irish lads. Appreciate it. <laughs> Help you fit in. Yeah. very good impressive
1: it's a source of great shame for me every time i watch uh, a match on tg Carr and you're on and i'm thinking to myself i'd lo- like i'd love to be able to understand fully what he's saying i can pick up some of the key phrases and i'm one of those people who went through school thinking like Ugh, irish is shit i don't want to do it and when i got older i really regretted it like you know so um what what is the story with is that a is that a family thing mike is it school or how did that how did you become so fluent
2: Yeah, it's, uh, thanks for saying I'm fluent, I don't know about that, but um, (laughs) I went to an Irish primary school, so when I left primary school at 12, uh, I was far better at Irish than I am now, so it was something in the back of my head the whole time, I kept it quiet when I was playing, because I just did not have the confidence or want to have to do interviews through Irish. But um, after I hung up the boots uh, in 2019, I said something I'd explore. So I got in contact and I've done about five or six games now. And yeah, I really enjoy it. It's it's nerve wracking. Like uh, being on TV, speaking English would be tough enough as it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thrown in um, my limited grasp of Irish. Uh, Definitely challenging, but something I've enjoyed. And uh, it's great to be able to uh, get back into Irish speaking. And it is something that when you get older, you appreciate it more and you're kind of... um, you're annoyed at yourself for letting it slip and it's amazing how quickly it does slip considering how long uh we studied it in school and secondary school so
1: um definitely uh happy to to take it back up and um you know challenge myself absolutely i know it's great and, and how have things been going generally mike it's been a while since we had you on the pod uh there's been a pandemic since of course uh how's life been <laughs>
2: Uh, Life's been great, yeah, I'm I'm well and truly used to retirement now. I started a new job in April, so right when the pandemic kicked off um, with uh, a company called DMS, they're a corporate services provider, so they deal with funds and assets and all that fun stuff, so um, I've really enjoyed it, I'm almost shocked at how much I've enjoyed it, Uh, I've, I've only gotten to the office twice since I started the role. Uh, which has been quite strange but uh, you know I'm eight months into it now. Uh feel a lot more comfortable in what I'm doing. Still a mountain of stuff to learn but uh really enjoy it. Rugby coaching with Gary Owen is still there. Obviously um it's on lockdown at the minute and I think as coaches and players it was almost getting to the stage where we welcomed the bit of a break because it was just you were dealing with all sorts of change of plans and people having to isolate and it just wasn't really about coaching anymore and um, it's definitely challenging, really challenging from a club perspective to, to track what's going on. You have lads coming from college, work environments, you know, it's much easier in a professional environment to, to track where lads have been it's their job obviously their passion so you can say come into training you're in for the day go home look after yourselves and and you know where they've been whereas from a club perspective you can't do that so you're you're trusting guys to make the right decisions trusting that they've looked after themselves over the weekend and by and large that was absolutely the case obviously it's pretty much impossible to keep out of every environment um but yeah the break was was almost welcome um so looking forward to kicking back up maybe after Christmas uh, with a bit more clarity in what we're doing.
1: How accustomed would you be to an office job, say, like you're working from home now? Do you think that might suit a former professional athlete better in that there's quite an individualistic side to what you have been doing for the last decade or more and getting yourself ready and so on? Or, or do you miss the idea of being in office? I know you said you've been in there twice. Um, well, I'm not accustomed to it in any shape or form Uh, i would imagine it will be
2: a massive culture shock to me um coming from a changing room environment to a working at home environment into the office in the role i role i will be in or am in currently i'll have a good mix of office then meeting clients and been on the road a bit as well so a nice mix um but um i think maybe the reason why i am enjoying it so much is that i've kind of been at home and i've been able to I don't know, familiarize myself with what I'm dealing with, make mistakes and kind of be able to ring people and have them, uh, for want of a better term, hold my hand and walk me through things. And uh, maybe that is why I've enjoyed it so much. But it's been a nice transition for me personally, from not being accustomed to an office or a, a nine to five job, say at all. Murray, how are you getting on?
0: I'm good. I, I, f- I do feel shame when I see how well Mike's doing with the Gaelge. Um It's been really impressive. I actually went to Grail School as well, but had the same experience of just letting it fade, probably. And then I learned French properly after school, and I, I just have this block. I don't know, understand how some people can speak six or seven different languages. I get halfway through a sentence as again, and, and it turns into French. So I've got some sort of mental block on that. I have a limited brain capacity, uh, so just one language for me. So... Yeah, I would love to rekindle my Irish at some stage, um, but it's been great watching the lads and the coverage has been absolutely brilliant as well. Um, obviously loads of female representation, but more importantly, just really good rugby chat and and good analysis and even the the clips with the coaches beforehand when they're warming up are really cool as well. So yeah, it's been great to watch.
1: Uh, it's a different class. I absolutely love watching DG Carr for rugby. Commentary on top of it all as well it really gets the, the juices flowing, I think. And we're going to start with Pro 14. Well, we have you here, Mike, and plus Murray as well, uh, on the back of... Listen, another another uh, good week for the provinces overall, but one dominated, I think, by Dan Levy's return. And when we were chatting, you were at the game at the weekend at the RDS, and when we were chatting afterwards, you texted me going, like, we have to talk about this on, on the podcast on Thursday, and I got the impression that you were a man, just a rugby fan in that moment, uh, excited to see a guy return. He'd been back for a couple of weeks, obviously, but like... I think really returned that that was kind of nearly more of his uh, formal reintroduction scoring a try back jackaling and just looking really impressive
0: yeah I mean Edmure kicked the, f- the very first kickoff on top of him uh, almost as a bit of a challenge and he beats one defender with a little pirouette and he he carries really well for the rest of the game. He was top carrier with 16. I think he ran for 63 metres, beat six defenders, which is more than anyone in, in the Pro 14 over the, the course of the sixth round. And actually all those came on the kickoff receipts. Edinburgh kept going to him and he just kept coming for more. As you say, that turnover before the first try for Dave Carney was outstanding to see because I think he jackled the week before and you were kind of waiting for him to get into that position where Obviously, your joints and your knees in particular are going to be tested, um, but he's obviously a, a brave guy. He put himself in that position, came away. I think he kind of bumped Scott Penny out of the way in, in his eagerness to get that turnover and claim it for himself, and really fitting that he got the try as well. So, all in all, really exciting. He looks really strong. He said he feels that he's actually benefited from the time out in that regard. He's you know, made himself durable. Upper body strength is is even higher. And you, you can just see the... I suppose the infectious Mindset he has He's, he's a winner he, we, We've seen him winning A Grand Slam And, and being a world class player And He's got that edge To his game That I suppose that bit of viciousness And um, And win at all costs Mentality And that, that is brilliant For a group I think Andy Farrell Will have been watching With interest as well Obviously, there's a need for patience and, and taking it step by step, but it is brilliant to have a player of his calibre back. And even just for a journalist, it's good to have a, a kind of character like him back. He's, he's different, even in the post-match interview. Obviously, it's weird these days. Loads of it's done via Zoom. Um, and he has this kind of dry sense of humour where you're not sure if he's messing or if he's really having a go back. But, you know, he's not nervous in those settings. He'll even ask a few questions back as well. Or if he doesn't like the, the gist of a question, he'll kind of challenge it. So all in all great to have a guy like that back and and long may his recovery um continue uh a pace anyway because you know we know how good he can be and and what he could potentially add to you know leinster in in europe or or even ireland maybe in next year's six nations
1: mike your injury battles were well documented over your sort of 10-year playing career and uh, you know you you did an interview i think with ourselves uh, about two years ago where you said you had considered packing it in on many an occasion. Even going back to 2013, you did your ACL. Um, so I'm wondering, could you put it into context what it's like for... Uh, a professional rugby player playing at that level of the game to be coming back with um, the injury that that Levy suffered in particular which has kept him out for, for the bones of two years and to be putting your body back in those positions. How much of a psychological test that is as, w- as much as a physical test?
2: Yeah, I think it's incredible credit to him and even as a sports rugby fan myself, it was great to see. It's a good news story amongst all the the stuff we're, we're dealing with at the minute. So it was brilliant to see... Um, his inter- injury was very much a, a car crash incident you know it was a one-off horrific incident and making it all the harder for him to get back um like i'm sure there were several setbacks along the way uh considering what how many different things he was deal- dealing with um me personally i was dealing with one thing at a time and they weren't uh, weren't really specific one-off incidents so Uh, I think it's uh, amazing that he's got back and, you know, he's straight back into the swing of things. Leinster have obviously managed him incredibly well. Um, He would have done an insane amount of work on his own, uh, dealing with one-on-one physio work and S&C work and then getting back into the contact stuff. And I'm sure he was exceptionally nervous. Um, his, His first contact session, his first training session with the group, getting back into playing a couple of minutes and then starting a game, um, but the more work he obviously did with the the lads who he was dealing with, the more confidence he had. And that showed in his performance, it was brilliant to see. And from an Irish perspective, it's great. He's a world-class player. He's shown that on that stage already. And um, it would be great to see him back up training with them. And I think he'll be in their plans in the future, um, adding more, more competition already. Uh, loaded position uh, across the back row so uh, great news story and it's great to see really happy for him
1: absolutely yeah we wish him well as he continues to recapture that form of old leinster in imperious form against edinburgh as we've touched upon there and we do need to move on to ireland stuff but it would be remiss of me not to ask you mike about Munster and what you've made of their progress so far this season. 100% start and certainly green shoots, you'd have to say, in terms of what want van Graan and his coaching staff and his players look to be trying to do.
2: Yeah, definitely. Really, really positive start to the season. Thoughts on Irish? Did you not pick up on the last day?
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> would, would you mind just running us through it again, please, Mike? Okay. Uh, um, if you wouldn't mind.
2: Yeah, look... Uh, I think it's it's bonus territory uh, for these games to be able to go ahead. Um, there's huge amount of work going on behind the scenes in terms of testing players and making it a safe environment and without the crowds, without the uh, expectation that is always there from the very first game of the season with Munster, I really do think fans are just happy that the games are going ahead and I think they've taken the opportunity, whether it's been a conscious decision and uh relayed this to the squad or the coaches have done this themselves, but they've I feel they've really taken this opportunity to blood in young players, really develop their style of play and look if if they lose a couple of games and they're playing. Uh, a good brand of rugby and they're giving young guys a chance to to play at this level, make mistakes at this level um, without that pressure that's normally there from the crowd. Like, even, like I'll take it from a hooker's perspective, if you're playing a game and you've thrown a couple of bad throws and there's a big crowd there, you feel that closing in on you. It's really, really hard. Now, that's great in a sense that um, it'll stand to you down the line, but with, without the crowd, you can make these mistakes and not have that kind of um, panicky closing in feeling that that can develop. So they're they're making the most of it. And these young players are coming in playing really good rugby. Gavin Gavin Coombs last day was uh, was exceptional. I was really struggling to put together a highlight package for him when I was doing analysis. There were so many clips you could have used. So, (laughs) I just think it's really, really positive. I think the fans will be really happy and they're in a great spot. It's really, really good to see and good to see some positivity after, I think it was only two and a half months ago now, was it? Even less that they played that game against Leinster. It was uh, abject performance, tactics were questioned, coaching staff, players, everything was questioned. So it's a really good turnaround and great to see.
1: Murray, just to touch upon Ulster and we'll get to connect as well in a moment, but Ulster fans will probably be within their rights really to feel a little bit annoyed that they're not making the same headlines, uh, certainly down here as Munster and Leinster in that they're going about their job fairly nicely and they got that job done again away in Italy at the weekend
0: Yeah, they've they've been really good and, and they're 6 out of 6 as well, they haven't got the 6 bonus points like Leinster have, but you look at that Conference A in Pro 14 and they are already basically sewing up those top 2 spots, Leinster and Ulster there's a massive gap to 3rd already, Um and listen, I totally agree, Mike. It's really positive to see young players being um, brought in and introduced. I think it's fantastic. Even in Ulster, you see someone like Ethan McElroy getting his first start. Academy winger, uh, really impressive athlete uh, and a guy who has a really high ceiling. That's great. And, and definitely the provinces deserve credit for starting so strongly. But I would have a bit of concern maybe around how the provinces are, are doing this this early in the season. Obviously, Munster winning streak as well. You'd love to see just a little bit more competition maybe. And I think the other clubs from the other nations are probably struggling, as Mike alluded to, The, I suppose the demands that are placed on them in addition to the usual demands now with COVID, no crowds. Obviously, the international window is extended and, and even more players are away with that. But so far, there just hasn't been that competitive edge to things. Um, and you'd love to see, even this Monday, you'd love to see Glasgow... Uh, at home against Munster like being ultra competitive they they had a good game against Leinster to be fair at, at Scottsdale and you'd love to see something similar where Munster are really pushed and, and have to produce a, a really complete performance because at the moment I suppose the provinces are are winning impressively but even without being um, you're never going to be perfect but without being close to 100% and actually Leo Cullen was talking about that after the Edinburgh game you know he does have a bit of a concern that you're racking up these bonus point wins and you're maybe glossing over little bits in your game that aren't good and that a team like Saracens or whoever whoever Ulster and Munster end up being challenged by in Europe, that you're not quite playing up to that level. So there's a bit of concern there and, and it is it is a balancing act because the provinces have been really good. Their depth obviously is is excellent and, and the younger players who are coming through are grabbing those chances, which, which is just brilliant. Um, But I think everyone would like to see probably a little bit more competition there. And, you know, if Leinster and Ulster keep pulling away to that extent, it just makes it a little bit boring.
2: Yeah, Gav, just to to tack on to that, I'd fully, fully agree. I was thinking in my head there, just before you brought it up, some of the games have been very, very poor in terms of competition. Uh, Leinster had a home game not so long ago uh, against Zebra. And, you know, I turned off after 20 minutes because it was just a training run. Yeah, at at one stage. So definitely, um, to get interest and into, there definitely does need to be more competition across the board.
1: Yeah, I like I, I broadly agree. Obviously, and uh, we've probably had conversations during the past as well with Bernard about the competitiveness or lack thereof in the competition. It, it seems to be really accentuated this season. Early doors that when international players are away for the Welsh regions and for the other clubs in the competition that it's it's not doing it any favors clearly but uh, on the flip side is Connacht's like are Connacht's couple of blips then just an example of how they more so than the other Irish provinces probably fall foul of that that their squad is a little bit more stretched um during these international windows than the other three provinces is that kind of does that explain away their couple of blips this season?
0: Yeah, I, I think the, the Scarlet's game will really frustrate them. Obviously, the conditions were horrendous. And in any game like that, it's always going to be um, down to a few key moments. Scarlet scored some excellent tries on, on kind of counter and transition. But O'Connor will definitely feel like they were in the right positions and right areas of the pitch t- to win that game. And it's very much one that slips at home. Um, I don't think they'll be excusing it with you know a few players being away. It's really frustrating for them, obviously. And the season has been frustrating for them with those couple of postponements. Um, denying them the chance to have that momentum, you know, you, t- you think of that Edinburgh game away where wow, it was impressive, the attacking rugby, attacking kicking, players backing themselves um, and that's al- already a reference point really for, for them this season and, and getting back to that and, and improving it and having an 80 minute performance of that, so it has been a frustrating campaign for them and those kind of slip ups at home end up being really costly particularly when, when they've been kind of open and saying they, they want that semi-final they want those playoff fixtures in, in both Europe and in the Pro 14 so there isn't much margin there for it and particularly with the likes of Munster in Conference B getting a really strong start and um, you don't want to let a, a bit of space open up so they'll hope to to get back on track and, and definitely use those two fixtures that they have in hand now or when they come around in, in the new year to to close up that gap.
1: Ireland looking to get back on track against England this weekend. We'll discuss the likelihood of that happening in a moment, but let's run through the Ireland team to begin with. I might start yourself here, Mike. I think the most most interesting way of looking at the Ireland team um, is not on the number of changes from last week, but in a kind of a broader context, the fact that there are 10 changes to the team that lost to New Zealand in the World Cup. There are 10 changes to the team, a very different team, that lost to England in Twickenham in February. So can we expect to see a a, a different performance from Ireland this time around?
2: I would hope so, uh, and I'm sure they would hope so as well. Um, I think there's been green shoots over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the French game uh, was their one real tough physical challenge um, that uh, they were playing a team that could, could match them and obviously got the better of them. Um, and I would think they learned quite a lot from that. They've, they've said that themselves. Um, I think Wales and Italy were quite disappointing. I'm sure they were physical, tough games. But, uh, you know, when you're playing against England, it's definitely up a level. Uh, they're, uh, they've got everything, this English team. I think Eddie Jones has them homing along brilliantly. Um I listened to a couple of the the lads interviews during the week and uh Keith Earls was asked you know what is it about England and he just said they've they've everything you know they're big ball carriers they kick really well they can attack when it when it's on um they've momentum givers all across the pitch so it really is a tough tough challenge um and as you say it is a very different team i think a lot of people have, have moved on very established players have moved on the coaching ticket's obviously different um and uh, again, no crowds. It's a new competition. I don't think uh, they've made any secret. World Rugby have made any secret about this. This is to get rugby back on its feet. And it's a great opportunity for Ireland to try new combinations, try a new style of play, try new things. Um, there's obviously a danger of going over to England and you know being too flamboyant, having too many new combinations. And they're such a good team that they could put you to the sword. But... I do think they have a good balance of new combinations, guys that have been there before. Um, And they've been in camp a long time now, had three tough games. Um, So I would expect a different performance, a lot more competitive. uh, But it is a very, very big ask. They're a really good side. And, you know, a good performance is what they'll be after.
1: Mm. And the reason why you bring up all the changes, Murray, is that I wonder do we have our own kind of psychological hang up as consumers of Irish rugby going into this type of fixture now whether it's in Twickenham or Dublin or wherever, wherever against England really in that we've seen over the last three four games uh, pretty much a total dominance by England like the scoreline last time out in February flattered Ireland really towards the end and it's been more so like in an eye test sort of way we've seen Ireland essentially blown backwards and lose the frontline battle, if you like, and and really just get dominated physically. And yet, if you look at Ireland's performance in Paris, I thought, if anything, Ireland nearly edged the the physicality stakes there. And maybe, looking at this England game, we shouldn't be necessarily going in with the same element of trepidation, regardless of the fact that a result doesn't even really matter. What I mean is, we shouldn't necessarily be going in expecting to see Ireland get dominated to that extent because this is after all a very very different team to the one that went to Twickenham what is it nine months ago
0: yeah it sure is and it is a very different task as you say like is winning is winning like obviously Ireland want to win every game they play and, and what a result it will be but it, they don't have to win this fixture it is just the Autumn Nations Cup as Mike says it's it's cobbled together pretty quickly I think the thing is is closing that gap that has been there in those games you mentioned in Saracen's Leinster even like that's part of this trend I suppose losing a set piece being dominated physically to, to an, an extent and just not having the clever touches that England have had Um, like it is so different as you say 10 changes it, it's almost unrecognisable albeit with a couple of those experienced heads that Farrell has definitely kept in there to help in terms of you know James Ryan being captain for the first time this all new halfback pairing which is going to be a fascinating part of it like this is the first time um, Will Keller uh, tweeted out on, on uh, he put it on Twitter yesterday. This is going to be the first time since 2011 that Ireland haven't had either Conor Murray or Johnny Sexton in the starting team against England. It's it's a massive change and certainly presents a different picture for England as well in terms of their scouting. They've like let's be blunt. They felt like they knew what was coming from Ireland and, and George Ford's on the record. You know it's going to go through Johnny Sexton. Let's get to him and and take him out of the game. You would hope that Ireland will present a different attacking picture and that all the little bits we've seen up to now, you know, the clever use of the short side, that one-three-two-two two shape where they're getting a bit more width, a couple of playmakers out the back of that three pod and, and playing out of that. You'd hope those things are there. You'd hope that Gibson Park's, his threat around the fringes is influential because again, that probably hasn't been there in the last couple of times they've played England and that just helps them with their line speed they can just go all out off the line we saw a couple of those examples of Gibson Park scooting um, not even you're not even a big diagonal run but a couple of steps out to interest the second defender off the rock, and, and then play the ball that little kind of uh, difference um, it can really change the shape over the course of a game even I think we'll see Lowe used off his wing around the nine and in that area maybe forwards tipping the passes in rather than out into that line speed that England have faced and as you say the as you both mentioned, that that kind of kick battle is key. Like, what can Ross Byrne add in that in that area? What a massive occasion for him! His second test start. Um, you know, can his crossfield kick be a real threat? Because he's one of the best in the game at that. Um, and it is it is just a very different proposition, I, I guess, for England. Even in some of the personnel in the forwards. You know, Caelan Darris is in the starting team now, and rapidly has become. You know, An important player for Ireland And one of the first names Probably onto the team sheet Ronan Keller Gets his start Like they both came off the bench In Twickenham back in February You have Quinn Roo In the second row Who who wasn't say In the World Cup squad last year And is renowned As a bit of a bruiser physically So you would hope that That physical side of it Balances up a bit Even Chris Farrell And Aki in midfield they can bring a whole lot of punch as well as a, a bit more to their game as well. So it is going to be fascinating to see on, on the physical side of things, but also in terms of what Ireland are able to throw at England and make them uncomfortable because really the, the story of the last couple of games has been England making Ireland really uncomfortable, forcing errors from them with their kicking game and then getting on top of them physically. So it is going to be fascinating to see how different it is.
1: Hmm. we'll run through say like the differences in each pack or depending on how we're expecting them to line out uh, in a moment but Mike if we could start with the the Fly boys at half back because as Murray says first game in, in nine years where we haven't had Conor Murray or Johnny Sexton in the starting lineup. There's Ross Byrne who can definitely do things that are different to what Sexton does despite the fact that people have this perception of him as being nearly a clone of Sexton. There's Jamison Gibson-Park who is definitely doing things differently to Conor Murray at the moment and we probably saw Ireland reap reward from that against Wales. Uh, Just to start with uh, in relation to Byrne because his last visit to this same ground went so badly really. Um, how much would that be playing on your mind? Do you think as a player or as an out-half, maybe more uh, in a more concentrated sense, going back to Twickenham and, and maybe feeling as though you have to set the record straight, or does it help in these circumstances when you, again, you don't have a crowd there, you don't kind of have that same um, element of trepidation, maybe because you can just, you know, quietly go about your business and quietly go about putting right what you, what went wrong the last time. That's, a, that's an amazing stat that Murray came out with there. Um, nine years um,
2: just shows the longevity of the two lads and how important they've been. Um, I think Byrne definitely does bring something different. Um, even in just a new face on the pitch, someone barking new orders can bring a bit of freshness. Um, from his own perspective, he seems like a really confident, self-assured player. Uh, he's played on some huge occasions for Leinster has a couple of caps now to his name Um, that England game um, yeah the the World Cup warm-up game it didn't go well for anyone really Um, I would hope he doesn't have any mental scars from that and he obviously has ambitions to be the starting out half for Ireland and Ireland play England over in Twickenham quite often. He's going to have to uh, step up. And uh, if he does have any mental scars from that, to er- eradicate them through his own performance. Um, I don't think he will. I think you've mentioned it there, the lack of a crowd and that uh, closing in feeling that I mentioned when you make a mistake won't be there. So it, it's possibly a great time for him to go over and uh, and put in a performance. Um and as well, he's well used to playing with Gibson Park. You know, they've they have a long partnership in Leinster, so that will definitely help. Uh, he's got a lot of experience around him and I'd oh, have a lot of a lot of confidence in, in Ross. I think he's um he's performed in big games and I think he'll take his chance and I think they're going over there fresh. Um bit uh bit of buzz about the matter, um, good performance. They're in camp, you know, being in camp for that amount of time together will definitely add to their cohesion and what they're trying to do and the overall direction of what they're trying to do. So um, I don't think he will uh, look out of place in any way. I think he'll definitely um, add something to the attack. And, you know, it's how they how they develop on that then. It's the collisions, the set piece, how it all flows from that.
0: Yeah, the set piece is, is massive as well because, like, the last time Byrne did make errors, obviously, but, like, he's, he's there was no platform in the game for him to... You know, be an assertive figure on it, and and that was the case earlier on this year as well. The line out didn't go well, and Ireland, while they had a, a fair bit of possession, there was no real quality platform. It was to England's credit, I mean, a lot of Maro Toge's brilliant defensive work, but that set piece is going to be really important. You know, James Ryan capturing and running the line out, loads of responsibility. I think Peter O'Mahony being in the team obviously helps massively with that line out, and I thought the two of them worked really well together last weekend. I, I know the Welsh line out was I suppose shambolic at times, really. Um but Omani and Ryan worked really well together in reading it, also in an attacking sense the two of their, their movement along the ground was just brilliant and, and they made life easier for, for Kelleher. So that's a really good com- combination and they have to give really good platform for, for Byrne to be uh, an impressive figure in the game. As well as the scrum, like it's really interesting that Rue stays in that regard. I actually want to ask you Mike like he's renowned for his scrummaging like it's very hard for us particularly me and Gav who've never been near a scrum never mind in one um, you packed down a
2: flanker a couple of times yellow card get the tall full in
0: <laughs> I didn't push though <laughs> I, I kept my head firmly away from it Um, like what, did, well, like what what difference does a guy like Rue make or have you Have you worked with someone like that before?
2: Yeah, it it makes a massive difference. It's something that's really overlooked. If a scrum goes poorly, it's always the tight-head prop or the front row uh, that will get the blame. And uh, having a strong scrummaging tight-headed lock there uh, adds massively. Like My most recent experience is Jean Klein, let's say. He is incredibly strong in the scrum, adds so much there. So it is really important. And you can tell from quinn rue he gets a massive buzz out of scrummaging like he's really ging up his tighter prop in front of him slapping him talking to them and uh, you may think that's for show but it does add something if you know if you have a guy there who's really invested a tighter prop is on the pitch to do one thing and if he does that one thing for the whole game people will be really happy so if you have someone there who's behind you Ging you up really into it and he takes that as his own personal responsibility as well it, it brings something extra to the scrum and uh it's definitely an area that he he adds to ireland uh, i thought he was really good the last day so it'll be interesting to see how he goes against what will most likely be a tougher uh, challenge up front
0: yeah definitely probably the biggest game of his test career so far he does lo- i interviewed him back in september i think and his passion for scrummaging and rocking was it was re- almost infectious he was just you know he really loves that side of the game and that challenge I suppose and and he said you know the biggest kind of badge of honour is when your tight head prop is happy with you so fingers crossed for Ireland that Porter is similarly happy as he was the last day
1: What do you make of the decision to Captain James Roy and Mike we saw him uh, take the metaphorical armband last week and he clearly had a, a little bit of help it was more of a sort of a, a consultancy firm that he was part of I think uh, towards the end of that game but and, and listen he'll have he'll have Stander he'll have Omani uh even Keen Healy probably around him this weekend as well, which is a, a massive help. But just in relation to what Murray was saying there, where like you're calling lineouts as well, um, is the captaincy something that you know that can possibly become a distraction nearly when you're trying to focus on other things, particularly areas like lineouts? Or do you think it's just a kind of a is it just more ceremonial in an age where really you've got like a, a leadership group and and maybe the onus isn't necessarily on you so much?
2: He does have a huge amount of responsibility with the lineouts factored in. Definitely, um, he seems like the type of guy that was born for that type of role. I think he will revel in it. He'll he'll uh, he'll enjoy it. I don't think it would be great. to have Tavarez, and Pete, and uh, all these other people around him, but he strikes me as the type of guy that doesn't need that. He's he's self-assured himself, and uh, I think he's captain teams all his way up. Uh, he's well and truly established now in the the Irish pack as their go-to player really um i would say he is probably the first name on the team sheet um when he's available so um interesting to see how he goes but i don't think he will have an impact on his overall game i think he'll he'll grow into the role and it's it's a natural progression you know he people see him as the captain moving forward um into the future. Um, some of the other lads are a little bit older, um, doing a great job themselves, and I'm sure they'll, they'll stay in situ. Um, but you know, in the future, I would imagine that it will be James who will be the the de facto captain. Um, so again, I don't think it will impact his performance. I don't think he'll think, oh, I have loads of responsibility on my shoulders this week. Um, and it might even enhance his game because I do think that's what he's gunning for. He wants to be the captain. He wants that responsibility, which is a great thing for him.
1: It's interesting, Murray, to hear Andy Farrell talk about it, and and just the kind of general vibes I think coming out of Ireland camp, where it does appear to be nearly a process. Uh, this Ryan captaincy, where they're they're kind of trying to bed him into it rather than hand over the responsibility in kind of one fell swoop, if that makes sense. Like there there was sort of mentions of like. Cure, he's curious about leadership uh, and and taking on that role and and that maybe this will be a, a slightly more gradual thing with a, an eye to the future rather than saying like, here you go, James, you take it from
0: here. Yeah. Well, to be fair to you, Gav, I think it was right after the World Cup last year we discussed this, who's going to be the Ireland captain? And I, I think, as far as I can remember, you were saying, give it someone else for a year and let, uh, let it, uh, Ryan take it after that because you don't get the immediate post-World Cup pressure of, of trying to turn things around in the six nations and that's basically what's happened. Like so you you had the crystal ball out there. And it is it is a process of handing it over and that's a good way to do it. I think that those comments about Ryan being curious are, are really telling. You know, he's obviously stepping up in that regard and he wants that responsibility. And as Mike says, like he, he has those credentials and those capabilities. He's captained, you know, very pretty much every team he, he played on when he was underage. Hasn't done it actually with Leinster, interestingly enough, and he's like with his test caps, he's, he's done it with Ireland before, actually playing for Leinster um, at senior level. But he definitely seems to be willing to take it on. He was interesting earlier on this week when they announced it, he did a press conference. Um, he was apologising for b- being boring, but his his comment was, I just need to concentrate on on delivering a brilliant performance. And, and that is really it, isn't it? If he is smashing people in collisions if he's running a solid line out if he's got that nice aggressive streak to his game you know that's good captaincy it'll be really interesting to see him it would be really interesting to see him behind the scenes but again by all accounts he's well capable in that regard not a man of many words but of pretty accurate concise words when they're needed um and it is going to be interesting to see how he handles those even the decisions around penalties and stuff there was a consultancy there with Peter Manuel last week um but even it would have been fascinating if he was captain over in Paris to see if he would have um you know gone against Johnny Sexton's sense that they should have gone into the corner. So all that is to come, but primarily it's about continuing to deliver a, a, you know a really excellent performance. You think of him last time in Twickenham earlier on this year, he was vicious, like right on the edge. Uh, and even a couple of times you, you kind of had your eyebrows raised thinking he could have given away in a penalty there. So it's probably having a controlled edge to his game and leading very much by example, as he tends to do. I want
1: to ask you, Mike, about Peter Romani. It feels like he's having, uh, enjoying a seventh or eighth career renaissance, really, uh, over the last couple of weeks. Like Every time he, he puts together, a, a, let's say, a, an underwhelming run of form, it actually tends to be with Ireland that he, he produces a, a big performance, and people remember why he is so good and why... Successive Ireland coaches have not only always included him in squads, but really generally started him. It's it's rare that he hasn't been starting, even when he hasn't been in, in the best of form personally. So, um, what what do you make of his? I don't know if if you want to call it like recent career trajectory, maybe where he's been facing an awful lot of scrutiny from Irish rugby fans, generally speaking including monster fans like monster fans who've watched him uh, in red for the last couple of years and maybe don't feel as though he's performing as consistently as he was and yet here, here he is again uh, we're heading to Twickenham for, for a big game and he's, he's trusted at seven as well <laughs> uh, and not his typical six and will be again a, a fairly crucial component of that Irish pack it's a strange. I've spoke to
2: I think yourselves about Pete and kind of the what I deem unfair flack that he gets. Um, there's no doubting that certain games over the last maybe two years he's been quiet, um, maybe a couple of them in a row. Um, but he is an incredibly important player, um, both in his own playing abilities and his leadership abilities. Uh there's no surprise that he's consistently involved and consistently starting. Um I think the main thing for Pete, he'll always have the line at work, which is so important. I can't understate how important that is or overstate how important that is. Um he like those are huge moments in games, puts massive stress on the opposition um where they want to build off their line-out, and they're just constantly thinking of where is he going to be. I'm sure it's in their thoughts all week. They're coming up with plans of how to dilute his influence there. So he brings that consistently. Uh, The Jackal thread is always there. I don't know what it is. I think when you're comparing him to someone like CJ, who he probably is compared to quite a lot, um, are the stats, the carries. CJ's often regularly up past 20 a game. Now, he is off the back of scrums. He is receiving kickoffs, so I don't think it's a fair comparison. You have maybe 10 carries off the bat there, and Pete's blindside a lot. He's holding the wing um, in terms of tackles. And there, there's all those things to factor in, but I feel if Pete got his hands on the ball, I, when he first broke onto the, the scene, he was an excellent carrier, really aggressive um taking the ball, coming around the corner off nine. And I think that was a real strength of his game. I think other areas of his game developed since then. And I think if he got his hands more on the ball more often, I don't think those criticisms would be as loud. Um, I think it's easy to kind of zone in on him if he has maybe three carries and five tackles in a game and Ireland have lost, it's quite easy to, to hone in on him and say, oh, he's doing nothing. But he has those huge moments. He's he's so involved in everything on the ground, line-out-wise, maul-wise. He gives absolutely everything when it comes to scrums. I've never had a, a hooker, we spoke about Quinn Roo, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we, I've never had a back row as uh, invested in terms of the physical exertion he puts into scrums. So I just think he adds so much. Um, and he's so important across the board and maybe a couple of extra carries a game. And it's a strength of his as well. It's something that, you know, they might, he's really skillful on top of all that as well. He's lovely hands. You see him thinking he's a winger down the wing, kicking every now and again. He he loves to throw that in to show off that he can do it. So I I, I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on why he gets the flak. I would think it's those reasons I've alluded to, but I don't see this as a career renaissance for him or resurrection i think he's consistent i do think there's a couple of games that maybe he was a bit quiet in but overall i can't um i can't emphasize how important he is and and what a good player i feel he is um i don't know what what your thoughts on that are but uh they would be my reasonings behind why maybe he gets a lot of a lot of flack
0: yeah like yeah well everyone's carriers you know That that's the most obvious thing you want people who make big carries in the game but there's there's definitely so many other ways to affect the game as you've alluded to there Um, like the line is was always influential restarts all those little things even ruck work he's always good if you go back through games and there's you know scores invariably he'll be one of those who's made a really big impact out of rock, cleaned someone you know beyond the ruck and made it life difficult for the defenders all those little subtle parts that he kind of excels in like he's almost one of those players you need to have a re-watch of the match to actually appreciate what he did you might give him a 5 out of 10 on first watch because he didn't run over anyone or smash anyone in a tackle but there's always little bits that he's done uh, done well and at the same time he I'm sure he understands of course he understands the pressure but I mean he got dropped earlier on this year and, and Doris came into the back row and um, you know you think of someone like levy coming back as we mentioned there's going to be ferocious competition as always and and you got to fight for that spot and and every time you do get a chance to carry you you've got to make an impact um there are so many different roles on the pitch though and that's probably something that we all struggle to get our heads around everyone can't be a carrier you know everyone's got their own little job to do and if peter roman's holding width on the wing it's it's part of a plan it's not not just down to him, probably want to show off those skills as well, um, which he invariably does. But but there, there's all sorts of, of different roles, even when in a back row. And it's interesting that he wears a seven, but you know, you, you think of how they're actually going to go about trying to win the game. Probably CJ is almost the most traditional in that sense now because he's the one winning the most jackal turnovers um, defensively. Like He brings that, so you don't really need a, a seven as an out-and-out poacher because himself and Doris and Omani they can all do it and and, and Doris and Sander are obviously big heavy duty carriers Doris has a really good skill set as well as does Omani and and you would hope that in some of that stuff we mentioned even the subtleties that Ireland might throw at England or a bit more shape around how they try and carry that Omani's handling is used in that regard because he does have a um a lovely skill set in that regard. So, um, yeah, there's definitely pr- still pressure on him and I'm, I'm sure he knows that better than anyone. He's He's been fighting for his place all his, all his career and there's always been competition. So uh, he stepped up again in that Wales game and he'll be hoping for something similar on an even bigger occasion now.
1: We haven't even mentioned James Lowe yet and moving back to the backs, uh, just ask yourself, Mike, what you made of his performance against Wales and what you anticipate he, he brings to that Irish. Back three now, as it pertains to tweaking him or as it pertains to the the short to medium term future oh, he brings a
2: huge amount yeah he's infectious uh in his personality and how he plays uh he adds uh, adds a real uh touch of class a, a momentum giver um he's incredibly strong as you can see in his carries and his tackles everything he does has venom in it a real decisiveness whenever he gets the ball which is great um he brings a different element to the back three definitely um he's not your typical irish player obviously um so he's bringing that uh, x factor uh, that maybe sometimes might be missing um, and he's such a consistent performer. I don't think that's really been touched on. He, rarely he's not a focal uh, figure in any game he's played for Leinster. Um, like he's, he's at the heart of everything. And even when the ball isn't coming his way, he'll get involved. He'll get involved in some little scrap and smiling in the opposition's face. And I'm sure he's absolutely hated across the league by the opposition. But his own teammates that absolutely love him. And then if you play with him and train with him and be around him, he seems like a lovely guy. Um and really really infectious and in everything he does so uh huge boost to uh to the squad um you, you've seen the impact he's had on leinster and, and i think he's a good enough player to have the same impact at international level
0: talk about players who are who are good for journalists he's the best uh, as you say he's a character he's a gas man even we had him there during the week and he got so many laughs just recounting how his he had texted his father to let him know that he was um starting for Ireland, test debut, and he got a thumbs up emoji back. <laughs> Not too much emotion in the message. <laughs> even just taking the piss out of Johnny Sexton, you know, oh, you know, James, you're missing Johnny Sexton, your captain. Maybe a question to other guys would struggle, what do I say here? And he goes, who? He didn't die, mate. He, You know, he's, he's going to be around the camp. Uh, he's going to be influencing us. Um, even talking about the niggle with, with the Welsh lads, he talked about how um, he's had that niggle with Munster lads and how Johnny Sexton had to tell him that Peter O'Malley is actually a really nice guy Wait until you get to know him because as you say Mike I'm sure the Munster lads bloody hated him at times playing against him and he's had his run-ins with the likes of Conway etc but that's the personality he is on the pitch and, and it definitely adds to your team when he's on that side and by all accounts he's already extremely popular in camp so on top of all on top of all the qualities he brings on the, on the pitch like obviously like busting on, on the ball big left boot and he'll definitely get tested defensively more I would imagine by England even just in terms of positioning and and working probably to, to cover backfield and and the front line and, and be part of the line speed but on top of all that he adds a new character to the mix as well he's very different to a lot of the guys in that squad uh, we mentioned on the members pod on, on Monday I think um, he's very different to a lot of guys who are real serious and studious and heads always down he's very laid back you remember him Gavin we did our live show with him he was, you know, he was taking the piss out of those lads saying, oh, they take it too serious, don't they? Let's just go and play rugby. And to have that kind of infectious buzz is is really good for the squad.
1: <laughs> yeah, he was on stage for about three minutes and he was calling James Ryan, now the Irish captain, a real freak.
0: <laughs> he doubled down on that during the week, actually, yeah, he said. Yeah, yeah. He slagged yeah. him about I, driving te- the recent driving test pass. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, it's great to have someone like that this. who can... Who can maybe like with figures like Sexton and Ryan, all those guys who are obviously serious professionals and take their job serious, he's well able to bring a bit of lightness as well.
1: Yeah, at the time when we did that show, I think James Ryan was getting dropped to training by his mother, which became public information via James Lowe in front of about 400 people at Liberty Hall Uh, Theatre. Just before we move on from Lowe, because we do need to kind of talk about how Ireland uh, will be able to defend England's kicking threat and kind of get down to the nitty-gritty of where the the winning and losing of the game might be. Um, I I was going to ask you that, Mike. Both of you touched upon it there, but like when I heard that, You'd say some of the Munster players had like warmed to him during Ireland camp and realized, ah, he's actually not so bad. I kind of thought that was a joke. Like, I I didn't realize that there would be actual, I guess, real disdain there, Uh, despite the fact that he would be sticking the knife in, say, during games for Leinster against Munster. I always kind of thought that was a little bit performative and that, you know, once a full time whistle blew, like, it'd be kind of, ah, listen, it's, you know, like, it's, um, it's a rivalry but it's not like genuine hatred but like all the sounds since that have been like that there was actual <laughs> real animosity there on behalf of monster players towards him it, it, definite real animosity um because if
2: you think of it from their point of view so they're going playing Leinster in semi-final after semi-final after league game and it's it's invariably going Leinster's way. There may be the odd Munster scalp uh, during the year, but when it comes to semi-finals, it has not gone Munster's way for a long time. So the hostilities have kind of uh, lessened from uh, the point of view of both sides because of uh, Irish camp and getting to know the players that way, whereas he wasn't in Irish camp. So they just saw him when he was running amok and scoring tries and he was getting involved in the niggly stuff and They didn't get a chance to know him as the guy he obviously is, so there would have been real, um, real animosity, real being honest jealousy that he was doing so well and having such an impact on these games. Like, if you look back on the Felipe Contopomi, um, Raj Jonico Callahan, (laughs) Leamy kind of, um, whatever you call that rivalry. They never got to know Conte Pomi. I'm sure they have since, but they didn't get to know him by being up in Ireland. can obviously he's Argentinian, was away with Argentina. There was also that rivalry uh, nationally as well. So it would have been real, definitely. There would have been um, a want to silence him and not really, there's not that much interaction, uh, shamefully or, or unfortunately, there's not that much interaction after games um you know you have your meal and then you're back up on your bus to to your own uh to your own city so they wouldn't have got to them um so i can assure you that w- that was real and uh I, it's good it's good to
1: see that that has uh lessons <laughs> as they've got to know Uh very looking at ireland's back three then um the backs generally speaking we've been through this process before where we face england and to be honest when we face any real top-level team. The All Blacks didn't necessarily have to do it to us because they were able to just run through us like a hot knife through butter, but we have struggled when on the back foot uh, getting kicks put in behind us or on top of us or just in our general direction, really. And that's probably one area where we... I, I don't know. I, I'm saying this kind of crudely, and you can absolutely correct me, but I'm not sure if we have seen massive improvement there. Even looking at Paris, it was fairly disastrous, to be honest. So... When England know this tends to work against Ireland it's uh, and particularly when you look at how often they kick the ball against Georgia as well only in their last game uh, we can be nearly sure they're going to do it again and is it a case of like Ireland have to improve there to have any chance of winning this game? Like, did, Or have you seen subtle improvements over the last few games that might help them in Twickenham?
0: Yeah, it's a really fascinating part of it. Um, like my impression is that Ireland's backfield System is undergoing a bit of change and and certainly we've seen a few little different things. Even Connor Murray and and Gibson Park have both been at times sweeping in the middle third of the pitch whereas before they would have been in in the front line literally the whole time with two in the backfield. Jacob Stockdale alluded to maybe they're not working a, a kind of pendulum system as much as before. So really we have a small sample base for that so it'll be interesting to see how exactly they do manage it's still like roughly a 13 and 2 defense where you've two guys positioned in the backfield to cover those kicks but as i say the nine might might sweep a little bit more potentially that was just based on a, a couple of chip threats um it is it is going to be decisive and it has been you, you think of the last three games and, and in england like in raw crude terms they've kicked more than ireland like earlier this year was 24-17 on kicks from hand the twickenham hammering was 29-19 i think kicks from hand and even in dublin the year before or rather last year, they, they kicked more. But also it's the quality of kicks. They're really good at kicking on the front foot before they have to kick. You think of Sexton being put in that position where the ball has a horrible bounce and, and they concede a try. A really clever kick from Ben Youngs. The Obviously the penalty advantage, one where Stockdale just has to go and, and catch that ball and doesn't it bounces and, and daily scores. Even in 2019 when Robbie Henshaw was at 15, you think of them, I suppose, really toying with him at the back. He was left exposed. I know Keith Earls was injured during the first half of that game and and it was tough for them to get full coverage but they also scored in that game as well kicking off second receiver Daly. So it's the range of threats that make it difficult. Um, I'm just seeing right now they've actually just named their team. There's Daly, Slade, Farrell, Youngs. They're all in the back line so they're all kick threats. Daly and Slade having those left boots makes it really difficult for the backfield to, to cover everything. So it is going to be important for Ireland to... I suppose disrupt source, like make the line out scrappy as possible. Think of Maro on those box kicks. Every single time Conor Murray went to box kick, um, in those previous games, he was all over him, just constant threat. You think of him scragging in Stander and Ryan after one of them and holding them in afterwards. But it is really unsettling when someone like that is in your eye line when you're you're trying to line up a kick. Those little bits can can make a massive difference. Ireland's coverage obviously has to be nailed on in the backfield and then they've got to do a bit more of that themselves it's something that they've been on a journey with and and probably trying to learn from England you think of Ireland's backline probably doesn't have as many I suppose natural attacking kickers Gibson Park and Byrne obviously got quality in that regard Lowe has a massive left boot but I suppose you're wondering can can Aki and Farrell maybe offer something there Keenan uh, and Earls maybe with those attacking kicks out wider because like, really, the game is almost a, it's almost a kicking sport now. So many of the big moments in games come back to a, a quality kicking game with a, with a good chase or with clever analysis done beforehand to pick out a little flaw. And I would be surprised if it wasn't influential in this game again. So you would hope that Ireland have, have probably learned lessons. They've got a really great clarity in their minds about how they're going to cover that space. Um, and as well as that, really put some pressure on at source.
1: Yeah, it is a game of rugby football now, Mike, but bearing that in mind, uh, we've got a nine who can definitely add a little bit of nuance with the boot. Ten, who's one of the best in the world with ball uh, from hand, uh, has an exceptional array of skills there, and an 11 with a big boot, as Murray says. And Lowe has, I think Lowe has a couple of subtleties to his kicking game as well that, that we might see, but outside of that, really, like midfield, uh Z, Hugo Keenan, probably not blessed with that same level of, of talent or, or intricacy there, are we bringing a knife to a gunfight in that regard, in that we've got probably more than half of our backline who, who don't really have those strings to their bows, and it's certainly the way the game is trending, you you probably need one or two of them to have. You're forgetting Pete on the kicking front. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> of course.
2: It's <Yeah>. um, <laughs> a good question. It's, uh, it's definitely a major strength of England's um, Do we have the same to match it? Um, It's a hard one. I think when you look at the centers, uh, Aki has definitely brought that to his game in recent years. Um, I think he's improved there massively. And with Farrell, I think Farrell has everything. I think think sometimes um, he can be quite keen to show off his array of skills that you know he's obviously a huge big fella, six for four, six for five, seventeen, odd stones so uh, root one will often work with him um but he definitely has all the other skills to match, including a kicking game um so I don't really have an answer for you. Are we bringing a, a knife to a gunfight? I suppose we'll see. Um, it's it's not something that they would have not addressed, and um, I'd be surprised if it's not a tactic that Ireland implement as well to to counteract England's England's strength there.
0: That's spot on about Farrell, though, Mike. Like I I hope he's a really influential figure in this game because it's obviously the. He's played for Ireland, he's started games obviously, but this is definitely the biggest one for him away in Twickenham. And he said it last week after the Wales game, he just wanted a crack at it. Obviously Ringrose and Henshaw being injured probably made the decision in the end, but it would have been interesting to see if he'd gone with Farrell over, over Henshaw. Um, he was really good in, in the carry against the Welsh, he won the game line on, on a couple of those set-piece plays and, and it made life easy, but as I say, he does have more and even in, in passing and and hopefully in kicking um, and it would be really good to see him be an influential figure and, and get a lot of time on the ball um, and a chance to show that aspect to his game as well I'm really excited to see how he goes because you just know that he's going to be absolutely loving this chance
2: I've seen I've seen him uh, do things in training that like, you'd be gobsmacked I've seen him kind of dominate games he struggled to get a real consistent run without injuries so uh, like yourself, I'm really excited and I, I think he is absolutely world-class. If he plays consistently at this level, um, I would be really, really interested to see just how far he could go because I think he's got absolutely everything, including the size and, and being a big man. That's obviously hugely important, but he has incredible skills. Mike, call for us. Um... I would think an English victory. Um I do think we'll have a far better showing than our last couple of um performances against England. And ultimately I don't think a victory over here is the be all and end all. I think a good performance um blood a couple of young guys new combinations in a really tough environment over in Twickenham against a, a world class team in my opinion probably the best team in the world on their day. Um so I do think an English victory, but I do think the Irish will um, play a lot better than they have in recent games and and they'll have something to build on.
0: Murray? Yeah, I'm definitely along similar lines. I think there's going to be positives out of this for Ireland, even in terms of some of those individuals. Um, I think England are definitely a stronger team and I'd expect maybe, oh, I mean, I'd go as far as maybe a 15-point margin in the end, but I think there'll be loads there for Ireland to to build off and and I don't think there is a massive pressure on, on Farrell to win if if they do it you know he's going to be loaded but I think they really need those positive signs in their performance and for me all the signs are that that they'll get those bits what do you think of can i just shock you go for it uh
1: Ireland by 8 I I think Ireland will win yeah uh, just well, basically <laughs> for, for, for no reason I, I I just feel like it's turning I just feel like it's turning I think I think this weekend will be the weekend when when we start to see it come together uh, I'm, and I'm extremely confident uh, I have a feeling in <laughs> <that> my waters <laughs> might make curve go, me, to make me it to make if, if it works
0: out <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely yeah <laughs> Mike Thagsamill, uh good night. We'll catch you very soon. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. That's Murray, thank you. <laughs> and uh before we go, a reminder, Murray, Bernard Jackman and myself will be doing a, a live show later on. This this is on Thursday evening for the forty two members. You can find all of the details. On the 42.e uh, Just looking back through the week There was a brilliant Rugby Weekly Extra as well On Monday during which Murray and Owen Tulin Broke down the Ireland-Wales game And also uh, The Argentina All Blacks Game in Sydney which we uh, on any other week I think would have spent about half an hour talking about it today uh, behind the lines as well with Gavin Cooney he had Paul Howard on a great rugby figure and uh, that was a super listen loads more at e. enjoy the rugby over the weekend everybody Ireland by 8 uh, jot it down chalk it down and we'll be back on Monday with Murray and Owen and on Thursday for non-members as well until then go easy mind yourselves
0: I don't think we've met before but I'm the referee on this field if you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices.
1: Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is Robbie Robbie briefly. Mill the first pass!